Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby pod after the All Blacks won 102-0 against Tonga at Mount Smart Stadium. I'm Ross Carl, joined by James Parsons in Auckland. Of course, Bryn Hall down in Christchurch. Let's start with you. Big scoreline, obvious results. What did you make of it? Um, oh, look, looking at it from an All Blacks perspective, it's it's quite hard to come in cold. And you know, sometimes we look at that first test of the year around skill accuracy, lightning quick ball, set piece, defence stats. And if you look at it on the whole, um, they'd have to be really happy with the performance because yes, it was ex- expected, but it's actually sometimes harder. Um, to be disciplined in your roles and your systems and nail them time and time again to keep scoring. Like that, those tries don't just happen. Yes, it's been well documented that uh, um, you know the the Tongan lineup was under strength, but you've still got to do the business. You've still got to have the skill accuracy. You've still got to you know breach the defence or or manipulate the defence to create space. And I I just thought for the first test of the year. Guys coming from different environments, the 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 skill set, the tempo, like use Quinn to uh, quick throw and you know that that sort of tempo mindset and, and willingness to play was a clear shift. I feel in in, in the attacking sense and then defensively, you know, they they put the pressure at line out time, which obviously enabled them to turn defence into attack, and, and just as a whole, their systems, you know, tackled at ninety six percent, were good in the collisions. Probably the only area that they'll they'll want to improve is, is the discipline. Thirteen penalties is you know obviously quite high, and if you're giving other opposition thirteen times to piggyback themselves into your territory, then you know you you might find it hard on the night. But I suppose that sort of happens in a game that is a bit a bit loose like that. So um, on the whole, I think in terms of the execution of their game plan and and what they would have liked to get out of the night, um, it was a, it was a success, even though. Fozzie was pretty <clears throat> ruthless in, in his, um, I suppose, his, his review after, you know, on certain individuals where they can get better and as a group where they want to go. So there's a clear sign that they've got some high expectations of themselves. That ruthlessness was probably reflected in their performance as well, though, because Bryn, they were ruthless. I mean, there was maybe a patch towards the end of the first half where they fell off a little bit, but in general, they were very ruthless. Yeah, they were, and all those stats that um, that Jip brought up backs that up, you know. And I think um, sometimes you do fall in the trap when you're playing a team uh, that you're expected to win comfortably, like the All Blacks were pre- um, before the game. You know, to put on 100 points, that's no mean feat, and it's not done very often. It doesn't matter what kind of opposition you're up against. And so that kind of ruthlessness around the execution of their game plan, um, especially at set piece, and then even the lightning quick ball as well, you know. Brad Weaver had that probably two-second, three-second ball for the majority of that game, and 
when you're playing in front on, on top of teams, especially with the skill execution that um, the All Blacks have, it's going to be not only half the Tonga, but any team in world rugby. So if you're looking at attack, it, it was great. And then look, whenever you can go at 96% um, defensively, um, that's a, all in out a great performance from the All Blacks. And so probably individual performance is one thing you can talk about as well. You know, guys like Will scoring five tries, you know, Quintapai, I thought for someone that's just come in, um, had a great game. And then, you know, I thought the loose four trios, collectively, the three of them were outstanding. And even the likes of Ethan Black had it coming on and showing his link play and being in and around the ball as well. And I thought all the debutants that played as well um, were outstanding. So um, I think it probably does put into question a little bit around, probably go into it a little bit more around um, Tonga and the Pacific Island Nations getting help with with the level of how they, how they went on the weekend. So, But over and all, uh, probably the only thing that they do need to work on is that ill discipline that Chipper talked about, 13 penalties, and I no doubt... Fozzie will be um, harping on around that throughout the week. You touched on Ethan. Um, you know, we know he's good at six and eight, but has he found his spot? Because I, I think his best performance was when he was at seven for you guys against the Reds. And, and man, he just looks comfortable in that seven um, position. Yeah. I know it's a, a highly challenged position, but having that ability to play all three um, gives him a real opportunity. We've spoken about it before in that 23, but it was awesome to see um, you know, how he went. And I don't know, for me, uh, looking back, like I just think it's quite cool when your dad's been an all-black. Like That must have been an awesome night for him. And I thought the other debutantes were really good. You spoke about Quinn, but I thought Finlay was awesome when he came on. Yep. Um, just played instinctive footy and just played, you know, didn't let the occasion or the moment get the better of him. And, and I thought George Bauer, and probably my favourite try of the night was Richie Moonga's, and, and it was a big tackle from a Safar Moore and George Bauer that got the turnover that led to Aki. Uh, running down the sideline and then connecting with um, Richie on the inside. And, and and I just thought a lot of those guys, you know, the debutants, you know, really, really stood up on, on what can be a massive occasion and, and the emotions of the week um, they delivered on their performance. Yeah, I mean, when you've got that kind of go forward, it does make it a relatively easy transition into a test match like that, isn't it? I think so. It definitely, um, you know, you know you're coming on with confidence and the, and the the game's not in the balance, so you can chance your arm and, and you know, push the boundaries a little bit with your with your skill set and, and how you want to play, but you've still got to do it. Like, like I've heard a lot of commentary this week that, you know, of looking at it probably like in a negative aspect, and I understand that, but that's why I just wanted to acknowledge the, the accuracy of a group and I know it's the All Blacks, but coming together and getting that sort of level of accuracy and um, ability to show their skill set, um, you know, when you've come from different environments, learning new calls, and definitely there's a, clearly an evolution in the way they want to attack as well. Uh, I, I, it, was a, it was probably a successful night for them. And, and one guy I want to mention, and, and I know it'll, I'll get grief for this, but I think it's warranted. Is I thought Reeks had a massive night. I, I thought he set up his guys on the outside uh, really well, and it's showing his development um, is that centre of, of having that willingness to set the guys up outside. And then you know he got the reward of a, a, a try from a nice little chip from Bodie, um, that you know, and then Quinn linked with him. But I, I just thought he had a really great game. You know, when he had to carry hard, he carried hard and got across the game line. And when he you know, had to set up other guys and, and set them alight, he did that well. And defensively, he was he was really strong. There's a lot of work within the ruck, um, both attack and defensively from Rico Bryn, that I'd, I'm not sure I've seen a lot of. Yeah, it is. I think it's just an, an evolution of his game. And I think um, for those kind of positions, having those um, those kind of skills is, is pretty important, especially when you are playing against better opposition, which they probably will in the rugby championship coming forward. But yeah, Joe, I think you brought up a really good point. His overall game, and you know, we know Rico and his ability to have attack and um, 
and his carry meters were, were you know were good on the weekend but you know overall he had 18 passes and four offloads as well which mm. is you know great for his distribution so i think moving forward you know in a game like that you can kind of fall into the trap wanting to do too much and score tries but i think rico for that most part of that game was more facilitating and setting people up like you know the likes of will scoring five tries and people scoring out on the edge was due to rico's ability to be able to distribute and you know i also thought richie and, and damo did that as well um you know they had um 39 passes between the uh, with both of them 39 passes each so you know players in distributing ways like those three um really had the edge attack that the all blacks were able to score out wide and putting people into space as well so yeah i think um rico had a great night and the I- distribution that was just- I think like we go, we've touched on the skill set and the ability to execute. That pass he gave to Bridgie for that last try, like yeah. that was on the chest. That that was you know 15, 16, maybe twenty meter pass. You know, guys rushing up defensively, and he just reads that. You know, that that's that's you know showing that development into that link play as a centre, and um, you know, and like I mentioned, when it wasn't on to pass and it was a wall. Of defenders, he was prepared to do the tough carry and and you know get across the gain line for the betterment of the team. So there was a lot to like about his performance. Maybe that's one thing that hasn't been spoken about for this test match in particular in the aftermath is guys like him and Damien McKenzie have got a lot to play for. They were given that first up opportunity. There are guys who are maybe injured or around the place who aren't available. Guys coming back from Japan. There's all sorts of things going on. They've been given a shot. And that test match was the chance to really show their full skill set, to really convince the coaches. In a game like that, it's, quite, it's probably quite easy to do in comparison to coming into a, a tough of test match first up. Yeah, yes and no, because it's, a, a, it's sort of the unknown. Mm. You, know, you don't know what you're coming up against. It would be hard to preview. Um, you know, not a lot of footage uh, on the players and, and the systems that they run. So yes and no. So like having that mental ability to just stick in what's, playing what's in front of you Rather than having a set plan, um, you know, is it, it, I think it showed through. They were really instinctive on the night, and that suits players like like Reeks and, and Damo. And and I thought Damien was great. You know, like just sort of carried on that um, ability from the Chiefs, where he promotes himself to first receiver. He's got that kicking game. You know, he's plugging the backfield when he needed to. Obviously, off the kickoffs, was using his boot just to settle things down. Um, and then he's got that running game that we know, but also started to link up. And mm. I, I think Fozzie put it really well. He goes, you're just so used to seeing Damien do those one-off, you know, counter-attack runs and bust through about 15 people. But he just had great balance to his performance. And, you know, we speak about those dual playmakers. And just because Bodie's not there, that, that isn't to say that the expectation, like, like Damien's a proven first receiver now. And I think he's shown that at Super Rugby level and he'll... He'll be wanting to impose himself, and Geordie Barrett going into 12 was a fair reflection of how good a night he had. I think that the coaches, put, it might have been preconceived, I don't know, but I, I think putting Geordie to 12 after the season he's had at fullback, mm. um, you know, is, is a tip of the cap to his performance. Um, you mentioned the evolution of the way that they're playing, um, Bryn. What did you see in a difference in the shape of the All Blacks on attack in this game in comparison to years gone by? Well, I think the tempo, um, we talked about probably last year when they had the World Cup, having the two runners um, going in and going out the back. Um, even though they did show that a couple of times through multi-phases at the back, like in a high phase count. But, you know, pretty much the way that I saw it is around, it's pretty similar to the evolution that they had last year. You know, they've got the three the three players, the three forwards, got the outside back, I've got the, the back and behind. You've got the forwards running with the ability to go outside to the second receiver as well. So, 
they married that up quite well, and then they've also got to be able to play through nine as well, which you know they they get that quick ball from that first ruck that that Brand hits, or your nuggy moving forward. Um, it's going to be pretty hard to stop. So, um, I think the greatest, the, the best thing I saw about it is just that the, we talked about just the skill execution of doing their own role time and time again, and sometimes you can fall into the trap in games like that. You don't. Uh, it might be one or two rucks that you just miss, and then that's the opportunity that you miss, but. You know, when you're scoring 102 points and um, you're playing lightning quick ball for the pretty much the full 80, um, it's pretty, it's pretty respecting it and a great and a great way to do it. But um, those are probably the things that I saw. They kicked as well. They kicked more than the Tongans. You know, you'd probably think they wouldn't have kicked a lot, but they kicked them. They kicked 24 times. You know, almost double the amount of Tonga. So we talked. Jipper talked around the balance of their game, um, having the ability to kick from you know from nine, ten. You know, with Damo at fullback and the wingers can kick as well. So um, overall, um, was pretty good. But again, I think. When they do have more challenging opposition, hopefully Fiji and Dunedin give that. Um, you'll be able to see um, their skill set put under a little bit more push and see how they can um, adapt to their attacking style when they're um, playing a little bit more behind the ball. Yeah, I, I think I agree with Bryn. Like, there wasn't so much an evolution in terms of change of shape. Like it was very like for like. Um, but the mm. key, the key was is, is I think moving forward you'll see that tempo. You know, around quick throws, they only had four lineouts, and for 16 tries, that's not many. Um, and I think only about five scrums. So they weren't looking to slow the game down and go to set piece if they had the chance to up tempo. And I, I don't think that was just for against Tonga. I think that is, is a mindset shift. They also made great headway of picking when to go through the middle. You know, if there was space through the middle, I think Angus Tarvel and, and Brad Weber um, connected really well through there um, and obviously they have their shape to penetrate on the edges as well. Um, so I think it's more finding that balance as the evolution and, and where the other evolution is, we're sort of what I'm alluding to will come in time where it might be set piece strikes or manipulation off scrums and things like that, that we might see some innovation around um, some special moves that, you know, say we'll use the Highlanders, for example, you know how they have so many special moves, mm -hmm. the Crusaders, um, had a lot of them when Brad Moore was coach um, at the Crusaders, so I think we might see more and more of that sort of style of evolution in their attack play. Right, right. Um, this is all tempered by the fact that this Tongan team, as Bryn referred to earlier, was incredibly under strength. Players still in MIQ, players not released by their clubs, players lost due to eligibility issues days before the game. And we saw in the post-match Sonatani uh, Takalua basically saying, well, almost in tears, um, because they've been through so much. Um, and that so much is disappointing. And the reason it's disappointing is because we've known about these problems for a long time and they're still not getting sorted. The club's not releasing players, paying them extra money to not go and play international rugby. MIQ adds a whole other thing to this for these poorer unions who can't afford to pay and the players having to play, pay themselves. On top of that, they've got a month or so off rugby and they don't want to be spending four weeks of that in a hotel room, sitting by themselves. They've got families, they've got lives that they've got to you know, enjoy when they're not playing this club footy. It was heartbreaking. Did, did you feel the same way? Oh, I think there's definitely needs some, it's an area that needs to be looked at and I think there's a growing uh, voice for it. Um, and I think there has been in the past, but I think uh, you know, there's a genuine want you, know, you look at Moana Pacifica and Fiji Jura coming into Super Rugby, there's a genuine want to improve the opportunities of success for Pacifica Rugby. Um, and, and I think you know, it, it, was, uh, it was evident what it meant to 
um, the Tongan team and, and I suppose how, how affected they were by it. Because um, you've got to remember Samoa also turned down that test match mm. because they, they were really focused on wanting to play the Māori and, and get themselves right for um, you know, the World Cup qualifier and, and, and obviously Tonga took the opportunity up as you would, you know, to, to play the All Blacks. But um, yeah, there, there, there needs to be something looked at <coughs> where you can get um, potentially guys that have represented other nations, you know, can make one change in their career and, and make it purposeful. You know, there's got to be something that, you know, you say, oh yeah, I want to change allegiance now and, you know, say there's a six month stand down or a year stand down and then you can go and you, you if you were born there or your family was born there, I don't know. And not just tier one to tier two, I think, you know, sometimes tier two to tier one, you know, there might be people out there that, you know, represent Tonga or Samoa and, and you know, they were born in Australia or whatever and they want to represent, you know, so it's got to be consistent is, is probably like, they need to come up with a plan that's consistent at the moment, we've got the sevens for the Olympics as an avenue to do it, mm. but I don't think that's right because you know I'll use a you know a front rower for example um, isn't going to be able to play sevens, so there is no avenue mm. back that way. And I'm not saying that's the right way, but at the moment that's the only avenue back, so it's not fair and consistent. So <laughs> I think that's what I'm saying. Something needs to be done, but there needs to be a lot of thought into it that it's fair and consistent and it's the best for world rugby because if you use uh, Tongan Rugby League, as an example, like as a as a rugby league fan, it's made me more interested in international rugby, uh, rugby league. The, mm. That Jason Taumalolo and all those players uh, made the move to to represent Tonga, and they bet the Auss Aussies and and challenged the Kiwis. And for me, as you know, normally the NRL is the main product, <coughs> but because of the development of Tonga, and you know, you saw the Johns brothers want to help out Samoa. It, it really does make you interested in international rugby league again because there's more and more um, competition there. Right. So if we can do that yeah. in our game and make it you know, really strong you know, worldwide <coughs> through an avenue like this, why not? Mm. What are your thoughts, yeah, Brent? 100%. Yeah, I think all those points, 100%, because I think you know, it's unfortunate that um, you know, such a proud team like Tonga, um, you know, that they couldn't help it. There was obviously a lot of barriers that, that they had to go through. And I think the rugby league has it right at this stage. Um, the tier two nations, you know, you look at Jerome Lua, who played state of origin for um, for New South Wales, but has his allegiance to Samoa because he, he's going to be there in the tier two. So I think there are some avenues that uh, World Rugby could look at. And I think, um, you know, you want our, we want our game, we want our game to grow. We want the best players in the world to be able to play to play at international rugby. You know, you look at the likes of, if you look at Charles Piertel and um, Stephen Lawatua, guys that are still playing great rugby, but obviously have played for the All Blacks and had their ambitions growing when they were here in New Zealand, but obviously haven't played in New Zealand uh, for a long period of time. And, you know, it'd be great to see them to be able to put on their nation's colours. They don't have to go to that seven circuit and to be able to play um, where their clubs won't release them. So if there's a law change around um, a tier two nation and there might be a um, swap one time in their career, then might be a two, you know, a year stand down or six months down or something like that that they talk about because I think, you know, for a proud nation like Tonga and even Samoa, I mean, even even other countries as well, they're in that kind of tier two nation. Um, you know, we want our game to grow. We want to be able to have a great product. That um, I think rugby league have done a great have done a great way around letting the other players play in um, their island nations, whether they played for Australia or New Zealand or other teams like that. So, I think moving forward, there needs to be some headway in in uh, world rugby, and I think. Um, the conversations are more so happening now than they probably have in the past. So I think, you know, with the kind of movement that is going forward, I think these conversations have to be because we want to see, you know, 
world countries like Tonga and Samoa to be able to pick the best um, that they could and be able to um, participate in in a better game than they did on the weekend. And playing the All Blacks should be one of the highlights of your career, playing for Tonga against the All Blacks. And to be in tears afterwards is just representative yeah. of a completely broken system. Um, yeah. We need world rugby, and probably more so than world rugby, we need world rugby members, especially from the Northern Hemisphere, who probably don't quite understand the situation as well as they should. And I've been at Twickenham and sat in the stands and heard the comments of people who just don't understand that you could be a Fijian New Zealander, a Tongan New Zealander, a Samoan New Zealander, and you could be equal parts. And, and I don't think that there is a level of understanding of that in the Northern Hemisphere that allows for this to change quickly. We need them to be all in on this. And at the moment, I don't think it necessarily works for them. They're clubs, you know, they've got separate control from the national bodies. Unlike here, where we've got the ability to control that. Unlike probably in the NRL, where Australian Rugby League owns the NRL along with, you know, um, with the media companies. And we've got to somehow get motivated. I think there's been conversations happening before the weekend. Guys like Charles Piatel spoke out earlier in the year around you know, mm. Malakai Fikitaa, mm. um, about wanting to do it, Georgia Moala. And, and they've been quite strong in their views that it's got to change and, that, and they've brought a public voice to it. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think there are conversations happening. Is it moving as fast as we'd like? Probably not, but I think this will you know, benefit that situation as well out of a, you know, a, a unfortunate situation um, of 102 nil. Um, mm. You know, it will, um, you know, out of out of bad can come some good. Um, but there's also the other side of it, like knowing Fine Anisi and, and Luatangi Lee, like it was a big moment for them, debuting for Tonga. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't all a sad night. Yeah. Um, and you have to acknowledge the moment, you know, you know, Fine Anisi proposed to his partner after the game in the stands. You know, and I was just, it was a massive moment. All his family's there and he chooses a moment like that to do that. So I just think there's parts of it that were upsetting and, 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 and need to be looked at and will be. But there's also parts of it that we can celebrate for some of those <coughs> Tongan players debuting and, and, and for, for a jersey that they're really proud to represent. Mm. Well, that's, that's all very true. Um, and, and it's a wonderful significant factor for them. Um, what I worry about is even if we change the eligibility criteria, the global calendar stuff that we've got right now will still stop people from being available. People I, will still be stuck in MIQ. We'll still have all of those. But things. I think it's that that we're not the only ones thinking like that. Yeah. The people that make the decisions will be having those discussions as well. Like they're, like they're not sitting there blind to the issues and what potential problems. And that's probably why it's drawn out. And it's it's about when you do it. It's getting it right and the global calendar stuff, get, getting that right. And, and I think there's a desire from everyone to do that because at the end of the day, our game is a product and, and it's mm. what the fans are asking for. So, you know, you've got to deliver. Just like as I'm speaking as a league fan, yeah, it made me more interested in the game. 100%. And the, the stands represented that. They sold out Mount Smart mm. for the league games. You know, the people didn't necessarily turn up for an All Blacks test, which you would think would be a bigger occasion. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what I mean. There's yeah. a lot of yeah. motivating factors to get this right. Yeah. For yeah. everyone. Fingers crossed that we get there. Because when you look at the lineups that could be, you know, yeah. it would be amazing. Yeah, you saw yeah. it. Yeah, and then it comes back to, you know, you look at that, we talked about the Tongan um, influence rate, how when they come in for the World Cup and even when they beat Australia, Mount Smart, 
it's the level of competition and the players that they do have, you know. So you imagine just getting the top the top players that can be able to play for Tonga and they get released or, you know, some kind of um, change to be able to get those players to play, then you're probably going to see, um, you know, a sea of red like he did for the World, for the World Cup or when Tonga played um, due to the players that um, were playing for them. So... Um, yeah, he's hoping it can be done. Like Gypsy, I think it's um, you know it's probably not going to be as soon as we want, but you know, there's probably there's a couple more years to the World Cup. It'd be great to see if they could get it changed by that World Cup and having the best players in the world being able to play yeah, at that competition. Yeah, Charles Pietau would be at a World Cup. It'd be so good to see him there. You know, it's like Ryan Giggs never going to a World Cup. You know, and in football, there are certain people who should be there. Mm. Oh, well, look, he's one of the highest paid players in the world for a reason because he's one of the best players in the world. So. Yeah, yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah, it would be phenomenal. It would be absolutely phenomenal. Um, so there was that game. Before that game, we quite a had, bit to unpack. There. Yeah, there's yeah, quite a bit to unpack, and there's probably a little bit more to unpack. We'll see how we go yeah, as the yeah. show goes on. Before that game, you were playing, Bryn. Marty All Blacks v Samoa. Um, we've talked about Alex Nankerville. Um, it was a 35-10 win, but let's talk about him again. Bryn, that guy is playing great footy. He is, mate, and you know you'd like to think um, we talk around opportunities to be able to play internationals for, for the next level. Obviously, it's a great honour to be able to play for the Māori All Blacks, but again, the, the higher level of playing for the All Blacks is probably a lot of guys' ambition in our team to be able to play for them. So, if there's injuries, I think Alex has been probably his most valuable player in our team for the last two weeks. And yes, probably the, the performances you saw on the field were fantastic. And again, he was outstanding on the week. I thought his attacking ability, breaking the line, was was outstanding. You know, he. Um, Showed glimpses of that in, in the first test match. The weather probably dictated that a little bit, being able to not play a, a running brand of footy, but it was great conditions at Mount Smart, and um, he was in full swing um, and breaking lines and putting people away. But I think off the field as well, his leadership was massive for us. Um, you know, we had a couple of debutants or a couple of younger guys come into the into the fold, and he took a real leadership uh, role within the week, and uh, you know, it just kind of was a whole great two weeks for Mink and. Hopefully he's not injured. I think he might have done um, a bit of damage going off on the weekend. So fingers crossed it's nothing nothing too bad because if there's an injury in that in the all-back midfield, we've talked about Lester Fanganuka who had a great trans-Tasman Super Rugby campaign. But for a guy like Nank who can play 12 or 13, um, he, he had a great game for us. I th- like watching him play, and I don't know him too much as an individual, but the way he plays for the Chiefs when he comes in there, the same with Tasman and, and with the Māori All Blacks, he just comes across as such a selfless bloke. Like, just he's the sort of guy that's just team first, twenty four seven, and it's all about setting up others. Everything he does is, you know, he never pushes the boundary to take himself into the spotlight. You know, of, of going for the the glory. He's like, he's always looking for a support player, and, and I, I, I don't know. I think it just epitomises him um, as a player and, and as a bloke. As I say, I don't know him. It's just from from watching um, him on on the footy field, but. Uh, you know, extremely um, impressive performance um, against a Samoan side, Bryn, that were, were pretty handy if, 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 you know, if I'm honest. Like, I've got a couple of guys like um, Fumai, Slade, Matunga and um, Alessio. Like, I feel like they've given themselves such a um, great, you know, advert to world uh, to clubs around the you know this country or around the world of how good they are you know they, there's some players in their team that have really stood up and and made this every post a winner against a really quality multi outfit and and yeah. I, I was really impressed you know had their line out a couple of plays I'm interested 
to talk to you about, Bryn, but had their line-out functioned, functioned around 40%, but had it functioned, like they were in good attacking op opportunities in that first half a lot, but they just couldn't win their, their, their line-out pill. Like, I mean, Putty Putty Parkinson's a tough man to throw over at the best times I know it <laughs> firsthand. Um, so it's, it's nothing against the, the Samoan line-out, but it was a key factor in them just not um, being able to get their game going and take advantage of um, some of the, the possession they had. And then you look, I want you to compare two parts of the game. Just before half-time, they had you guys under pressure and they threw a reckless offload and it got, um, I think, McAvill intercepted it and kicked it into touch. Um, and then after halftime, it was like, because it was the start of a half, they were more ruthless and actually scored. And, and I just felt like if they could have scored just before the break, it just would have you know, put them right in. And, and you know, you'll go to their discipline, the two yellow cards and the penalty count was way too high for them to really be a chance of winning. But I just thought, man, if they could have just, you know, bought a couple more rucks at a crucial time and scored before the break and then come out and score like they did after the break, it would have been game on. And, and, and yeah, I, yeah. it was just I think, closer than the score yeah. reflected, I felt. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, a big turning point was probably, you know, it was 12-7 at the, 30, the 34th minute. And then um, we ended up getting a bit of momentum and we ended up scoring in the corner. Oti does a beautiful hands to get it away. Billy Proctor does a great offload and we score there. And you're probably thinking 12-7. If Samoa were able to just probably go to halftime at 12-7, um, it probably would have reflected how well they played in that first half. Like we had a lot of opportunities, but you know, due to our, um, a little bit of our discipline and also yeah, our execution was a little bit off in that first half. It's a little bit different, uh, you know, but then that 39th minute, we get a line-out drive and our set-piece really uh, worked. Well. I thought, you know, Manaki Salwi Rookett was, was fantastic for us on the weekend around him and Putty being able to stop the set-piece ball at line-outs um, for some more, but then also their ability to work off the ball as well and when they had the ball as well. But, um, you know, that kind of penalty try at the end of the first half kind of just put us out to 19-7. Uh, and then I think you said they scored just, up, just after half-time, which was, it was game on. Um, but then our set piece, you know, we end up going down to the try line. Uh, we get a line out more, and then we end up scoring Sean, you know, Sean Miner and scores in the corner. And I think gave us that little buffer for us to be able to then play the high tempo that we wanted to do in the second half. And, you know, probably the best passive play for us was we scored that try. Uh, we went 15 phases. There was offloads, quick ball, um, great decision making around when to pass, when to not. And that was the kind of rugby that we felt like we wanted to play. And we didn't get to do that through the series. So um, that was the kind of idea that we wanted to play. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It was good, but yeah, what can I say? You, you, you mentioned that around the way you wanted to play, because I, I noted here 16 kicks to Samoa's 22, and because you had mentioned you wanted to have that Māori rugby flair, there was a clear want to, to keep ball in hand, wasn't there? Yeah, even in your exit zone. Yeah, yeah, it was, and I think because well, we just backed, we actually got a lot of gains off of our our exit. I think a couple of times we ended up running it out. Um, we changed a little, a few bit of it. I think in the first half we actually ended up um, changing our shape a little bit to try and go around them. We made great bends, but I think again, um, just our ability not to clean the rucks in that first half probably hurt us a little bit and gave um, Samoa a lot of opportunities to to be able to attack in our half. But um, I think in the second half we got. We got a lot right, and to be honest, Clayton gave us a bollocking at halftime around uh, the effort and the kind of intent that we wanted to have. And so, the second half, we we found that we did that a little bit more. Again, I think the difference from you look at the execution and ruthlessness of the All Blacks, they've been able to um, to capitalise on their moments when they had them under the pump was was ruthless. Whereas I find that we probably didn't execute and wear around as ruthless. We had a lot of opportunities on on the edge breaking through, but that last pass or um, not getting it right was probably the difference there. And it's probably symbolised our tour, actually, over the two weeks. We had a lot of opportunities, but I think for us, moving forward to be able to put in performances that um, warrant playing against other teams, high nation teams, we've got to be able to play a lot better. And I think Clayton delivered that pretty um, loudly in the press conference after as well. That comes from consistent game time as well together, though, doesn't it? You can't just have one or two games here or there. If you're going to be at a place where you can consistently match top world-class teams when you think about the fact that All Blacks are playing 15 test matches this year. If you guys want to be up at that point, you've got to be playing more footy together. Yeah, I do. I do but I think um, the expectation it's a, is, yeah. you know, it's probably... Depends I think how you look at it, us, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, for us, like, the expectation was us for that. We wanted to be able to be more ruthless and have our um, execution right. And so I think it doesn't matter if you've had played a one or two weeks together. We've played enough rugby together. Um, we're a pretty settled side. A lot of us have played a lot of rugby together um, and the same coaching coaching as well. So um, for us, it's, yeah, I think it's just more so a little bit disappointing because we have played a, a lot of rugby together and we've got a pretty good understanding of what we want to do. But um, for us moving forward, if we do want to play the bigger nations, you know, we've got to put in performances that you really think like, geez, man, these boys actually need to end up going away and thinking like, man, they should be playing top tier nations like England and Twickenham or Australia or something like that. Whereas I think if you walk away from the last two weeks, you probably think, oh yeah, that's a good representation of where the Maldives are. And it was a good hard fought series. So, and it was due to the, the Samoans, um, how they played. But I think for us, the expectation is we want to be a lot better. We probably didn't get that over the last two weeks. Now, can I ask you, we saw your roommate uh, last week. Now that was a hell of a ball. You, you try assist me on, mate. Was there a little bit of a combination during the week talking uh, talking about that, or was, did you just did you just think someone's got to be there because that that you skipped about nineteen players to get him there? <laughs> <laughs> I talk about Rico's um, pass, mate. This is my chance to pump you up. That was a hell of a ball. No, thanks, mate. Um, no, I think it was just kind of the more had done the work, really. I think um, they brought in a lot of Samoan defenders, and we actually got an advantage off that, and. I saw Shawnee kind of um, giving me a wee, wee little look, and I, I told him, I always tell our wingers, just stay on the edge if you're in and around that area because um, defenders are probably going to bring a bit more line speed. And um, Shawnee stayed there and then um, got enough height, and I thought it was touch and go there that he <laughs> might actually get a hand. Thankfully, the, Mate, the, the winger or the I don't think he was expecting it to go there. 
if you watch the replay, oh, yeah. like the winger shoots up, like, and he's just like, whoa, it's gone. <laughs> it was a hell of a, what was it? It'd be about 20, 25 meter pass, bullet. It's impressive. Well, I was impressed in my lounge yeah. anyway. <laughs> Thanks, mate. No, yeah, it was nice. I think it was good to, uh, I think just for the kind of the moment that it was in the game, it was 1914 and felt that um, Samoans were coming back a little bit. So, yeah, that try just kind of um, gave us a wee little buffer and then. Um, then you're away after that, like you said, it did give you the confidence. You were definitely, um, like the Jonah Lowe's try after what 14 phases, million offloads, that was, it was like gave you the confidence to play that sort of style. Mm. And yep. for anyone who missed it, uh, Bryn was rooming with Sean Wainui last week, and Sean Wainui, of course, is scoring tries like they're going out of fashion at the moment, so no surprise that he dotted one down. Oh, mate, he owes, he owes Brynner a beer for that one, because that was just on a platter. Yeah, 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 100%. Now, there is one really important person that we need to touch on after that game. You've played a lot with him at the Blues. Obviously, a vital part of the Māori All Black side, um, Ōtere Black. Um, he's, he's going away... But this team and Oteri Black go hand in hand, don't they? Yeah, I spoke from the heart. I, th- I just thought it was awesome. I watched it a couple of times. Um, I just think, yeah, it's just so Oatsy and, and, you know, what his culture and family mean to him. And, and yeah. um, you know, he's genuine when he says that. And I just think it's really cool. Um, and, and for him to express that and what he may do to empower young Māori boys coming through the system. I mean, Bryn, you'll be able to talk to it more than myself, but to me, that would be empowering. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Clayton hit it on the head in the, in the, in the post-match. Um, you know, OT is just, as a, a first and foremost, just a great man, and you've spent a lot of time with him. Yeah. He's, he's selfless. Um, you know, guys want to play with him just because of the person that he is, and it comes back to his upbringing around who he is as a person, and... Yeah, it comes from a small rural, you know, Rotuki, uh, which they see. Uh, we see in this post-match around, you know, the, the New Zealand Maldives as the team that they, that he wanted to play for, and young Maldi kids aspire to be in that kind of area who they want to play for. And so, it was just really refreshing, really great to see of how, of how proud he is. And um, you know, it's it's probably the reason why you know, the Maldives team is around because you know you've got such passionate people who do see that team as, as a part of the as as, as high as the Auckland, or even more so um, from where their communities are. And um, he's going to be sorely missed because I think probably the last two years his development of his game um, has been great and it's just been his time at the Blues been able to play some meaningful rugby which he wanted to when he left the Hurricanes you know he was behind Bodie for a period of time there doing his apprenticeship and then comes to the Blues and he actually ends up playing some really good footy in the past 24 months where we were talking about him possibly being in the nil black frame with how well he was playing so um, he's going to be sorely missed and he said a great speech after the game we came together as a team and spoke around how much the team means to me. He addressed it all in the media, but got a little bit more personal around um, how much it does mean to him and how much he's going to miss it. And um, he's going to be traveling from afar watching us. And um, But yeah, a top bloke, a great man, first and foremost, a caring man, a family man, and, and someone that I think is going to, is going to put a lot of um, heart and soul into young kids, not only in, in his area, but a lot of young Maori men um, and kids uh, moving forward to be able to put on the, the Maori jersey. It is an incredible team like that, isn't it? There is just something different about it. Uh, I just like, I like the way, sorry, Bruno, but I like the way he said, I don't just come into this team and live this culture for a couple of weeks. Like, it's, it's you know, it's day to day. It's it's his upbringing. It's who he is. Uh, I, I For me, hearing him say that, I just thought that was so cool. It was just awesome. Um, and and yeah. Bryn speaks of, 
the Māori All Blacks getting tests um, against you know, England at Twickenham. It's having blokes speak like that shows you the actual strength of, of that jersey and, and that team. Um, and that's what will entice other nations to want to play um, the Māori All Blacks in, in, you know, in the future for those big tests that they clearly are craving as a group. Okay, how's this for an idea then? When you, sorry, Brent, go, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to say, just also Ash Dixon. Um, he um, was, became the most capped Māori All Black in our in our squad and, and team in ever. So if you think about how many Māori players have gone through um, the New Zealand Māori's Avenue and even the All Blacks as well, we had Buck Shelford who actually presented the jerseys um, to us, which was which was special. But um, he's a he's a great man for us, and you know he's probably um, taken the Māori's jersey and. Uh, taking it to another level around um, what it means to be Māori and has, has uh, had such a great leadership around steering the team around from 2013 to like where he is now and um, yeah I just thought it'd be a special note to be able to give uh, pay homage to him because he's been massive for us and I think we've talked about a lot about him around his performances at Super Rugby level and Warrington possibly playing at the All Blacks but um, when he puts on that Māori jersey and the way he leads um, you know he's been a, he's going to be massive when when his, when his career is said and done he's going to be a, a guy that's going to be talked about in Māori rugby um for definitely for years to come once it reaches rugby. Absolutely, and when you think about that, I think that you can sort of maybe need to acknowledge the growth of how many games do get played, because you've had guys like John Oggers, Liam Messon, like a number of you know, Māori All Blacks over the time represent that jersey so well and, and are just revered and remembered for their performances in, in that jersey, but to hear that he is now the most capped shows over his tenure since being the team how many more opportunities there the Māori All Blacks are getting to play, uh, which which I, I think is a step in the right direction. And, and I think you can agree, Brenna, it needs to be acknowledged yep. that those opportunities are being provided. Yes, there's desire to play um, the bigger nations, and I'm sure that will come in time, but I think that's, uh, it needs to be acknowledged that those, those opportunities are being put there to be had. Uh, what I was going to say a little bit earlier, um, I know within the New Zealand rugby system, you know, if you're not signed with NZR, you don't play for representative sides. I wonder whether a team like the Māori All Blacks is a place where we should look at this slightly differently. Where if a player is in Japan, maybe they could still come home and be available for that side. Because that side, unlike all of the other rugby in New Zealand, isn't about necessarily filtering to the All Blacks. You know, yes, it does play its role like that. You can get some test experience before and maybe a chance to make the All Blacks. But that side is about the culture. And maybe we should reconsider whether or not someone should be available overseas for that team. Before Bryn probably you, speaks, like my personal take, it would be up for the Māori All Blacks to make that decision. Yeah, like they're the best. They're, they're the best. They know what's right for 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 that jersey. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I can't comment on that. Yeah. I don't have the right to. Mm. Oh, I think it's a it's probably it's a great question to think of, but I think. Um, you know, the kind of sacredness that you do have is when you're in New Zealand. And I think, um, you know, obviously, OT's made the decision to go to Japan, just as an example. But I think um, being at home and picking people from home is is a real good way to do that. And I think, um, yeah, I think if we do do those kind of things, Brent, letting other people, you know, coming back from um, other countries and playing in other countries to be able to play for New Zealand Māori, yes, that is a, um, a way of thinking. But I think for us, just me personally, Picking people from home when you're at home is probably the best way to do it, and it just brings it brings more of a um, incentive to be able to play in New Zealand, and you know that's where New Zealand Maldives are and Maldi people are in general. Well, you know most of us, so yeah. 
Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. They came out of left field, but uh, you know that's, yeah. that's how the old brain works. Um, so yeah, yeah, we've got a little bit more footy to come as well. We've got uh, a test match on Wednesday, yeah. Wallabies versus France. Now we spoke a lot about this with Wilgenia last week. Where do you see this going tomorrow night? Uh, well, you'd have to say uh, the Wallabies are favourites. Um, I think they've named a really strong outfit. Um, like to see Tamani at six, like he's in some great form. Like it's picked on form, isn't it? Um, you know, Gordon's obviously got got back fit, and you know, Dave Rennie's said straight away, boom, he's in. He's my man. Um, you know, he's he's got the all-round game, form halfback in Super Rugby Trans Tasman. So, um, you know, for the most part, barring James O'Connor, I think they've got, oh, and maybe at hooker, um, you know, they've got their full complement out there, and and whereas. You look at the French side, um, two debutants starting, five debutants on the bench. Um, they've got as much experience, it's the most experienced team as possible that they can put out for the first test, so of what the squads that's travelled, but we, we know the, the talent that, that's missing. So yes, opportunity um, for those guys, but you'd, you'd have to say this is a step where Dave Rennie's men have to nail it, and, and you know potentially we're looking at 3-0. Uh, from a, if they'd brought everyone, we, we we all said here we were expecting Fr France to come down here as favourites and potentially win it. But I think in this current situation and, and the way, I don't know, have you noticed the way some of the Wallabies are talking publicly? I, I don't know who it was the other day, but I heard them talking about being world number one by the end of the year. And I think that ambition's great, you know, and being able to say that publicly and, and put that sort of pressure and onus on yourself um, is, is a huge statement and a clear shift in, in where they want to go. Yeah, it's also a very bold call. It is, it is. But like, if you don't believe yourself, who else is going to? Yeah, you know, like you've got to have that genuine belief in that environment, and and clearly that's coming from the top down for it to filter out into the media. I think that there's obviously a real strong, um, you know, swirl in there of of belief at the moment. Mm. Bit of Wednesday night footy for you, uh, Brendan. You're pretty happy to sit down at ten o'clock on a Wednesday night and watch some Test match footy. Yeah, it will be, mate. It'll actually be nice, I think, not worrying about um, not playing rugby at the moment, been on a bit of a break. So, um, yeah, but there is probably one guy I'm looking forward to seeing. We talked about him um, a little bit last year and even the start with Will. Yeah, Noah Lulacere, um mm -hmm. given the opportunity to play 10. And yes, he has come through a few injuries um, with obviously James O'Connor being injured. But, yeah, you look back to his debut. Last, I saw an, um, an article around his debut last year when he had the chance to play against the All Blacks. Um, you know, talked around how... It took him a couple of days to be able to get over that kind of um, debut, but I think for him it's going to be a great opportunity to to get some runs on the board. And um, obviously James O'Connor's injured. Don't know how long that's going to be, but I think for a guy um, who's probably has probably learned from that experience and wanted to play better um, moving forward, it's going to be a great opportunity for him moving forward in the next probably couple of Test matches um, against uh, probably a little bit of understrength French team. Mm. I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't see anything from South Africa versus Georgia. What did you make of uh, uh, that? Yeah. So it was, um, it was stop start. Like there was a lot of penalties. I think you know, sixteen penalties to eleven, um, sixteen for Georgia and eleven for um, South Africa, and it was just a little bit clunky because both sides yeah. were were coming off, um, you know, extended breaks. But I think there was some positive signs um, for South Africa. Like that was a hell of a team they put out. If you read the twenty three. And their first try, like there was a clear um, willingness to play. They had a clear willingness to play from deep as well in their exit zone. So they weren't just looking to kick um, contestables or kick long. They, they were they were definitely looking to play. 
Uh, it took them a lot to wear down to score the points. They really had to earn it, especially when they went into the 22. I don't think they'd be as happy as they could be of how hard they made it for when they're in the 22. Their long-range tries and a bit further out, you know, they were great. They, they scored those with great skill set. But when they went into the 22 and they went to their traditional driving mall, big forwards around the corner, it took a little bit of, um, you know, 100, 181 tackles by Georgia. To, you know, like they, they were on D for a hell of a lot. I think, you know, 33% possession and 25% territory. Like, I mean, they had a lot of ball. And it, yes, it's 40 to 9, but it, it just seemed to, I don't know, watching it just seemed at the points took a lot of work, uh, which I don't think they'll be happy yeah. with. So I'll be looking forward to the second test um, this week. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that first half, um, you know, they just had to really, really work hard. And, you know, at one stage, you know, probably later on, late in that first half, Georgia were up nine points with three penalties. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, they had so much ball, but I think, you know, we talked about it, how would they be rusty? And I think it was fair to say they were clunky and rusty and, and that probably that first half. And then just due to the actual, you know, the amount of ball and position they had in territory, they ended up, you know, scoring tries in, in that second half and really blew it out. But you know, I think they can, there is probably one positive they can take about it, their set piece. You know, they operated at 17, 18 lineouts at 94%, which, um, which is good. And their scrum obviously had only, only, only had five scrums, but you know, the British North lines, those are two yeah. um, things that, they're pretty strong with their line-out and their, and their scrum. And Georgia are predominantly a, um, a forward-orientated, especially when it comes to scrums, they they, they, um, they chance their arm in the scrums and their line-out. So those are positives um, coming in for the set-piece. But, yeah, I think um, yeah, I think we're going to see probably a, a, a lot better performance coming in the second test match that Russ is out. And um, I think, you know, they did score some good tries through their skill set, even on, even on the edge a couple yeah. of times. They put away... Uh, was on his debut, um, a Philly Fussy. Fussy, he was um, good, man. Yeah, he was good. You know, he had 74 metres, two defenders beaten, and, you know, he had six kills. And he put in a nice chip kick as well for Kovis uh, Reinick's first, um, for his try as well. So, um, the attacking ability, they wanted to play a little bit more, and I think the more time that they do have in that second test is going to be um, a lot better for them moving forward. But it'll be interesting to see if they do bring out the same team and then they give them another opportunity to, to play together again or... They put in a few more changes um, for that second test before they you know, end up playing the Lions. I think the biggest stat as well is 13 turnovers. For that much mm. ball, that's not many. So they were accurate in their skill set. You know, we talk yeah. about the All Blacks. They weren't as clinical, um, but they were they were accurate in their skill set. And, and defensively, they tackled at 84%, um, but they weren't probably challenged as much as, you know, we'll see from, from the Lions. But... Um, yeah, a lot to like for a first test for a long time for those guys together. When you compare what the Lions did against Transvaal with what they did against Georgia, which team is kind of sitting a little bit stronger at the moment? I personally think, you know, if you look at the Lions in 2017 when they came here, they struggled against the Barbars, they lost to us, you know, lost to the Highlanders, and, you know, there was a lot of chopping and changing. I, I don't know, they seem really sharp, like both completely different outfits and they were you know a bit clunky at times like there were sometimes you know I think uh, Price came off a line out and Owen Farrell came tight and he gave a short ball wasn't expecting it like those sort of you know combination errors but for the most part they are looking really good and they've got a clear game plan like they're contestable kicks to exit um, off, off nine or ten sometimes a little bit too far like we've spoken about it like they'll want to get that accuracy right Finn Russell added in the old crossfield attacking kick as well, so he does have that little bit of, you know, flair to his game, and um, 
they've got a quick tap. Hamish Watson was amazing on the night, um, but um, Price quick tap for a penalty that led to his try. A quick throw, like they've got a real up tempo attacking mindset. Some of their skill set, Courtney Law's ball play. You know, he was giving tips, he was giving balls out the back, um, you know, strong carries himself. I know I mentioned him last week when he came off the bench. I've been really impressed with him. He played at six. Um, so I, I, I don't know, from, from watching the two games, I, different opposition, you know, that was international level versus, you know, club team. But back-to-back weeks, they've been pretty clinical and pretty pretty exciting to watch. Mm. There's a yeah. lot of flair on attack. Yeah, I was just going to say that I think the um, the attacking ability of probably here where the Lions are, um, it's really exciting. And I think it probably does take them a while. And I think if you look back to the last um, time they did tour, um, it probably took them you know, three, four games. And probably actually our game against us and the Crusaders in Christchurch was probably the first time that they put in a performance that you know they were looking forward going into the All Blacks. But yeah, I'm really excited with their with attacking priority ability at the moment. You know, they're scoring a lot of points in their face play shape and even their ability. You talked about it, chip attacking kicks and being able to marry up that attacking style, but also with the picking and traditional picking that the Northern Hemisphere teams do with their contestables. But their first mindset at the moment seems like they want to attack. They want to attack, want to attack, want to attack. So, um, and, did you yeah. feel that like in the lightning quick ball stats, they were good? But also, did you, uh, when uh, Price scored his try, they were, it was an overthrow right over the back but it was like the the um jamie george got there and just threw it straight away and uh, the the lions opposition lines yes. defense um weren't, weren't set so again it was that up tempo and they jammed so hard they overchased in on owen farrell he just gave a simple out the back ball and price scores under the post so that's what i mean as well like those sort of everything just seems to be on tempo and chip and chases and yeah. it's just I don't know. It's exciting to watch. I like. I'm so excited for the series because I think there's a lot to like about South Africa as well. Mm. Um, but it, it's mm. setting it up for a doozy test one. Yeah. Hard yeah, team to pick. To... Do you reckon? Yeah. Gats will yeah. have a real yeah, tough so. time picking a 23. Like guys are playing well. Koji so. was huge. Yeah. I think. Yeah. To be honest, I think the Lions are probably in the in the box seat at the moment. I think just with the continuity and how they're playing and the way they are looking. I know. Like, Playing it in South Africa is going to be a completely different um, opposition, but um, I think just with the, a couple more games that they've had and been together a little bit longer, I think that first test match, I probably see the British and Irish Lions probably wanting, thinking that's a probably good opportunity to get the South Africans, because I think the more time that South Africans do be able to prepare and be together, um, they're going to be a lot better. So I think that first test match is going to be a really good um, opportunity for the Lions, really, to get um, the first one in that series. Yeah, be good. The sun is setting in Christchurch yeah. already. Um, this this show's been recorded at four thirty in the afternoon, and the sun is down in Christchurch. Yeah, it's just yeah, over no, the shoulder no. there. <laughs> the sun doesn't the shoulder, mate. take a puna till eight o'clock at night, does it? Oh no, just when whenever we feel like you know, some nights we want to get it to set early, we just decide. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to move it now. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, so you talk about how hard it's going to be to select the Lions team. Let's talk about the All Blacks. What happens this week against Fiji? Where do they go? Oh, I think they've been clear that they want to give people opportunity. So I think there'll be some changes um, and opportunities given. You know, Ethan DeGroot is a debutant that will probably get a run. Whether it's bench or start, I'm not too sure. Um, Asafa Amul has gone down with concussion so Samasoni Tokiyahu has gone into the squad so you probably think Taylor and Coles will 
run out there. Um, you know, uh, Brady Retallick, we're pretty keen to probably see. Uh, Sam Whitelock will go again. God, he was good the other night. Is he just in some touch or what, man? Like, he he was just defensively just into everything. Um, so, yeah, uh, maybe Richie gets another run at 10, I'd say. I don't know. Maybe Bowie gets a run at 10. Not too sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think Damo, like, will probably stay at fullback by... Um, you know, do we see Geordie at 12? They're, they're, I just think there's going to be opportunities given. Mm. You know, if Dalton's out, is Ethan starting at seven? If Artie's not right? Yeah. Yeah. Shannon Frizzell. And you also got there. David Hunter. David, David, David well, Yeah, who, true. Um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of, yeah, a lot of opportunities probably given, which is going to be great. So, um, yeah. And, it, you know, the guys that did play well in that Tongan game, you know, you know, you look at guys that, play really well in that um you know even if they do miss out this week you know they've got a, a great performance in hand so it adds a lot of pressure for a lot of guys coming in with the opportunity and we probably see that there are going to be men given opportunities so um it's gonna be it's gonna be tough when you get past this um these series when we do finally go into the rugby championship who you want to pick so uh, i don't envy being the coaches for all in that environment well I, I actually think a lot of it's to do with training as well, training well. Scott McCullough came mm. out and he said, you know, you've got to train like, and you've got to tell us you want to play at training. So it, clearly the, the, the competitive edge is Monday to Sunday at the moment in that environment, mm. and they're really trying to ratchet that up. Mm. Um, and, it, and it's working. Yeah. Well, it's exciting. Wait till Thursday morning. Yeah. What the hell will happen here? <laughs> <laughs> I think there'll be a lot of yeah. change. Well, not a yeah. lot of change, but I think there'll be, there'll, there will be opportunities given. By the third test match, is that where we maybe see the number one team, or do they not even bother? Potentially, um, it, it depends, I suppose, uh, where they're at. It could just be Warren and form. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I don't mind just, the Dave Rennie theory of just picking on form. Like, I, like, I like that. Yeah, I mean, and essentially that becomes the number one team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who's playing well? Yeah. Um, I would love to see Bowden come off the bench again. Um, and give Richie and uh, great chip crack. and chase. Eh? <laughs> there was actually Quinn, Quinn. It was good. There, there were a number of small attacking kicks. I know J.K. was hot on it in the post-match coverage, uh, um, where ball he felt ball was slightly squandered. Um, do you feel the same way, or were they just showing options? No, I think they just probably saw pitches. Like they, they they had both wingers in the defensive line, so there's space there. Maybe the accuracy might I don't know which ones JK was talking about in particular but maybe you know the accuracy wasn't where they'd like to be but yeah I'm only tongue-in-cheek like I think Richie's playing great as well and he probably will get another run um they're just both so good it's just it's it's I mean you heard Will Guinea the compliments he gave for Bodie yeah but then said Richie's the best 10 in super rugby for the last two or three years I mean that's a hell that's not a place to be yeah it's, it's great you know the most key position on a rugby field and we've got two guys that you know it's just so hard to pick mm. between them it, I mean and the conversation of when you've got to tell one of them they're on the bench would just be <laughs> be tough it'd be tough yeah yeah those guys are driven well the thing around that, the thing around that is that you know Bodie's probably done that actually he did that a little bit in his first part when DC was there but Richie just hasn't come off the bench mm. I don't think he's ever played off the bench for the All Blacks and so you know whether that actually actually end up being a, an option because you know if Bodie gets stopped given opportunity and um, Richie's got to come off the bench then you know his role's got to change and have an understanding around what that looks like and so I know how competitive he is he probably doesn't want that to happen but I think um, when you've got just two world class tens um, you know 
Das to come into thinking as well because I think Bodie is going to get an opportunity. You know, I thought he would play very well on the way that little trip he put in Jip and um, you know, that didn't seem like he's been gone out of New Zealand rugby for for a long for for a while. So um, well, that's yeah, the beauty of Sky that. Sports just televising Japanese top league, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ratings. I think are... I think we'll probably we'll probably find out a little bit later against um, high quality opposition. I think, um, yeah, because I think. You look on the weekend um, with the uh, you know the little bit under strength Tongan team. Uh, it was probably good of yeah, good for him to be able to come back into that environment in a game like that where he can just um, flex his muscles a little bit. Mm. I think we'll definitely see the Havili in twelve if he's fit. Yeah, I think he's. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing him get a go. Man, he deserves it. But at the same time, Tapia. Like, oh, he's great. He was great. He did he's everything that he was supposed absolutely. to. Absolutely, it's nothing on him. Yeah, I just think Davy deserves. A little shot. A crack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one mm. of the interesting things yeah, about but... the weekend is there was a question about whether we could fit Richie, um, Bodie, and Damien in the same 23, and the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is definitely yes. Yeah. I thought you were about to say starting 15. I was like, oh, that'll be yeah. a, that'll yeah, be a that'll challenge. Be. <laughs> that'll be a challenge, but um, yes. Then that provides options at first receiver, like oh. no one's business. And that flexibility is, oh, I mean, it's a luxury. Okay, bring all down to Christchurch. Thank you very much once again. Enjoy your time off over the next couple of weeks. James Parsons, we'll be back talking some more code next week after another All Blacks victory, I would imagine, yes. and a whole bunch more footy. I don't know if you do anything else on the weekend. No. No, just watch code. I've got Rotorua versus Napier this weekend. So oh, really? oh, that's a big that. game. Yeah. That's a really big game. Mm. All right, enjoy that game. Will do. Great. Thank you very much for watching and listening once again. I'm Ross Carl. This is the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.